She is now one of the youngest CEOs of a foundation. She's the CEO of Dolakia Foundation in India. I'm so excited to welcome the climate queen. Oh. Let me please welcome Kazaya Hirosano. Thank you so much, Maureen, for having me here. Obviously, it's a pleasure yes. to be part of this Karak. And, <laughs> you know, it's my first time trying this Karak. Karak yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, excited so. for you to try it in a few minutes. Um, very, very excited. I'm so happy that you're here. Like we've we we met the first time beginning of this year face to face. And yes. then now we're meeting again. And we we met before here and as soon as I met you, even before I met you, I was like, I, I really, really want you to be on, on the show, like for a long period of time. And then when you came for a cop, this was just the perfect opportunity. I'm so glad that this happened. So thank you for making the time and for being here. Thank you so much. And obviously, congratulations. I believe the first time we um, we met each other was through a Zoom call during the pandemic. Yes, that was the first time. Yes. yes. And then after that was New York. And, you know, hearing about your story, about your career path, I did not expect you to, to open, a, you know, start a podcast, but seeing it grow very fast. When, when I was talking to you in New York, I knew that right there and then anything you would do would be successful. And this is just the manifestation of that. So congratulations. You're so cute. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. But this is about you and like what everything that you've done is just I keep telling you this, but it comes from the heart, like seeing you grow, seeing you, all the achievements that you've gone through, all the cool projects that you've worked on. It's so inspiring to see, extremely inspiring, especially because you're so young. So it really empowers me to be like, oh, if you know, if you're doing all of these things, so it empowers me to be like, oh, I should strive more as well. So it's 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 so cool to see. And so I want to talk to you about a couple of things today. I'm sure it's going to be a very interesting episode. In the beginning, I want to talk a little bit about about your journey. So mm -hmm. now you're you're in India. You've been living there for around six months in Gujarat. Yes. So I want to ask you, why are you in India? What's happening? What are you doing there? And just just a little bit about what's what's been in your going on in your life now. I would say one word to describe everything would be interesting and transformative. Actually, those are two words. Um, <laughs> but as you mentioned earlier, I've been in this climate in the climate space for like about six years now, and I started, you know, working with local communities and then moving on to organizing UN youth conferences, to working with member states, working with the big names such as the British Council. And then I've been doing that for the past two, three years. And then last March after the UN Water Conference, which was our last portfolio, kind of realized that, you know, I felt empty because as a young person in international diplomacy, yes, we are not yet there in terms of youth engagement, but I feel like something needs to be done more. Mm -hmm. And for me to fill that void, I wanted to go back to local communities Makes and sense. moving to India, serving the foundation, leading the foundation gave me that perfect opportunity to be with local communities. And at the same time, doing the work that I do in the international space. So for me, it's a perfect balance, but obviously moving to a whole different country actually took me only three days, three, five days to decide to move to India and spend the rest of my career there. <laughs> oh my God. You decided, in, wait, you had five days to, to kind of make that decision. I made the decision five days before you travel. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that is insane. So it was a huge step, but 
um, once you have that passion, if you have that goal, no matter what time it is, you know that that's something you have to do. So I think that was similar for you, right? When you yeah. when you you have this drive for for climate action, for youth engagement, and you wanted to do that directly with with the families, with the people, and this was your opportunity. And I think it was probably, it was hard, but it was an easy decision in a way as well because it was directly aligned with your goals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As you mentioned earlier, when when you let your heart lead, you kind of like don't decide twice. You kind of like just take it. Good thing it's for the profession, not for my love life. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, that would have been a different story. (laughs) Yeah, Um, But yeah, definitely moving to India. I actually was not expecting really the CEO role. I was just there. You know, I really wanted to be with communities. And then the family that I worked with, the Dulakia family was like, um, do you want to be our CEO? At that point, I was like, are you joking? Like, (laughs) I mean, they've never appointed a CEO before. And at that time, I was still 23. But then I realized that if I don't take this, then, you know, there wouldn't be a best practice out there of a young person leading this, exactly. this like huge foundation being in a leadership role because I feel like um, if you even if you look at my Instagram handle or like the description diary of learning experiences you don't really see about me speaking in in different panels or what I do in a day of my life and at work what you really see is my my journey in making mistakes what are the biggest learning experience I've made yeah and for me this is a great opportunity for me to to see what the world is like out there in the lens of being an executive in, in a foundation and also um, making the mistakes that I need to make for others to learn from my mistakes. You are paving the way quite literally for, for everyone else. So it's incredible to see. It's so, so cool. And you were talking about how one of your goals with your Instagram page is learning experiences yeah. and that you want to showcase what you've been learning, what 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 are the challenges that you've overcome that's mm-hmm. so important. And I want to dive a little bit into that in yeah. terms of in the climate space, you know, there's lots of things that you probably learned about how the environment works, how the UN works, how yes. these different conferences work. Mm-hmm. And right now there's COP28 going on. And um, what do you think of the significance of COP in general? Like how effective do you really think it is in this drive towards climate action? When we talk about climate, yeah, I feel like we all have to be realistic about it. I mean, in my philosophy class, it is the what is and what ought to be. Finding the middle of that mm-hmm. is where we should drive change. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have a lot of expectations in terms of, you know, COP28. And although, you know, there's so much, so much different perspectives about it. But for me and my, in, in my personal experience about COPs, this is actually my third COP. I feel like we should go beyond cops and we should talk about how in our daily lives we are breaking the barriers to drive climate action Mm. because essentially cop is a gathering um it's like you know getting married but it's some it it just starts there 
but the question is what's next yeah and there there's many more things that happens right after it although the marriage <laughs> i don't know analogy, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um but that's how I, i think about it you know it's a space for people to to gather to talk about solutions but action doesn't really happen at cop it's where decisions are being made it's where negotiations happen but the bulk of the action the bulk of where hope is is beyond cop actually yeah, yeah. it's what happens after that mm -hmm. i think cop is it's a beautiful conference that has enabled these di this dialogue to occur mm -hmm. these conversations to occur between relevant parties yeah. um but the the actual solution comes from the action that happens afterwards so it's kind of a combination of what well, i think the analogy was quite interesting like you know when the marriage happens the wedding ceremony happens it's beautiful like you celebrate mm -hmm. but the real marriage is what happens afterwards like uh, you know living yeah. your life with the other person so that's 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 definitely interesting and i do want to add something though because people think of COP as this prestigious conference yeah. that they want to go to. Exactly. I mean, I, I fell in that trap when at COP26 where, you know, I wanted to be there because I wanted to experience it. Yeah. But without having the intention of why you are there at COP, you would feel empty by the yeah, end of COP true. because it's this like cold two weeks of negotiations, meeting people, going to panels, going to sessions. But if you don't really set a target or an intention of why you're going there, if you don't work towards setting that goal, like for example, who are the people you want to meet? What is the agenda that you want to make? What are the, what's your personal fundraising goal? Like what are your certain things rather than just saying, oh, I went to COP or I spoke at this panels and then posted it on LinkedIn. I mean, that is great, but I feel like we should go beyond um, representation and actually action. And I th feel like that's what a lot of young people need to do is taking the initiative to take that microphone or take that podium rather than just saying, okay, I need the podium, I need the microphone. I love that. I think that's a very, very good point because now, especially young people, Um, because we live in an age of social media mm -hmm. and phones, we're very much attached to how we are perceived on the outside and what are we posting on our stories and things like that. So, you know, even with these conferences, we just want to go take some pictures and post it online. But what did you actually gain out of it? So yeah. that that's a very good point because it just it reminded me of my experiences with COP. And this year as I went, it was, it was really good. But last year I had a particular, particular goal in mind mm -hmm. on what I had to do. So I learned a lot more last year than I did this mm -hmm. year, even though this year is incredible. Like what's happening is so cool. So that was a very, very good point to make, especially for a young person wanting to get into this space. And so So this is all about like COP and the yeah. and conferences and the action and um, going back to what inspired you to start all of this, right? Mm -hmm. You, um, I remember watching this video of you talking about how you grew up in the Philippines. Yeah. You've witnessed like climate change firsthand uh, coming from a farmer's family. I remember you yeah. uh, uh, watching that of you. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? What, what kind of experiences did you feel firsthand in Philippines where you're like, we need to take action. So growing up, I thought that climate change, like the yearly typhoons and floods where people would, thousands would die was a normal thing. Sadly, then I moved to the US 
And I attended the session hosted by Climate Reality, founded by former Vice President Al Gore. They were talking about these solutions and the fact that climate change is, or the climate crisis is going to be felt by X amount of countries in a couple of years. In my head, I was like, that's what we're experiencing now. Yeah. Um, and obviously growing up in a family of farmers and politicians, um, I saw where the injustice was. So there's like two sides of... Um, two different experiences that makes me who I am. One is the side of climate change and the side of where so social change should happen. And this too is kind of like the blend of where I am right now um, in a sense that I don't only advocate for climate change, but also the things that intersect with climate change. Interesting. Um, and one thing I'd like to point out is that growing up in that family made me realize that the reason why we have so much social issues is not because we have we don't have enough resources, we don't have enough food, we don't have enough infrastructure, but actually we don't give people enough opportunities to empower themselves. And working in philanthropy, I really want to push forward the agenda of if we want to empower people, we have to let them choose. We have to empower them, like teach them how to decide rather than, you know, us telling them, oh, you need a school, you need a you need a hospital yeah yeah it's like we were talking about this earlier as well that mm-hmm. um you know the phrase where you shouldn't just give someone a fish you should teach them how yeah. to fish and so that will give them a whole livelihood yeah and um yeah that's that's a very good point in terms of how empowering youth empowering um, individuals is not through just giving them just feeding spoon feeding them what they need it's yeah. giving them the chance to learn and then create whatever they need for themselves Definitely. so I think that your experience has kind of taught you that and you saw like this stark difference in in the Philippines and in the U.S. and you were like you know there's there's some level of unjust um, mm. like an unjust system there. So, so that, that, that was, that was very insightful probably for you when you, you when you went to, to the U S was that the first time you went to the U S or no. So okay. back in 2013 was the first time I went to the U S stayed there for three years and then moved back to the Philippines to finish, um, my high school and senior high school, then moved back for my college years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's like the sandwich space there. Yeah, yeah, there's a little, yeah. So we were talking about how um, your experiences moving to the U.S. and there were things that you mm-hmm. learned that you had to unlearn because of the distinct cultures. So moving on from, from the climate space, I want to talk a little about about culture, yeah, right? Yeah. So we can go chronologically. So we can talk about your experiences moving from the Philippines and to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So what are the stark differences that you saw when you when you went to the U.S. And first? So when I went to the U.S., obviously the culture is much more different. It's the typical thing that you see in Western movies. Yeah. Um, but moving back to the Philippines, especially having experienced the life in New York, Washington, D.C., where people are so driven... I was like, I'm sorry, this is not for me. I have yeah. to go back. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm not going back to serve my country. It's it's about, you know, when you're in that when you're in the age of 18 to 25, I feel like it's all about investing in yourself, trying as much things, um, determining what type of activities gives you life. Yeah. Because once you do those things, you become more passionate 
creative ideas come to you. And in that case, believe it or not, the right type of people will come to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it all comes within you and then it, yeah. So when you, you, you say, you were saying that when you went to New York, you were surrounded by like these driven individuals. How different is that from the Philippines? Is it, do you find different Uh, different because Philippines is a more family oriented culture why did you what was the difference that you found particularly so I would say that New York was out of my comfort zone uh -huh. and I love um, taking risks I love exploring the unknown mm -hmm. and being in the Philippines felt like okay this is where I grew up I know these people I know the food I know I literally know all the stores but being in New York you meet a different person every time And, you know, you just hear about your story, their stories, and you're just like, wow, this is like the melting pot of the world. And this is where I want to be. Yeah, makes complete sense. And there are so many cool things about New York, right? Like you were saying, driven people, passion, goals. What is something that was hard for you to adjust to, though? Like what is something that you didn't like or in New York City? Yeah. Compared to compared to Philippines. I feel like people not being as warm as they are because New York Um, and I also understand that a lot of people there are not specifically from there. So they're away from their families. So they're kind of like in the survival mode mm. figuratively. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they can be transactional. And that was something that that really hurt me, especially in the dating scene where, mm. you know, people there's so don't, much talk about here. Yeah. 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 Where they when you go on a date with someone, it's not like they have the right intention, same as you do. So maybe they're just there for like, you know, to chill a or fling. Yeah, a fling. And there's this thing called situationships in New York City, which is like and there's so many terms now that have that have um, came because of the dating scene. Um, for me, that was very hard to adjust because coming in my culture and also seeing my family grow, having a partner in life is very essential. Yeah. And I would not say that New York City is the best place to find someone because I, I say this a lot, New York City is a face in everyone's life and they always go out of New York City one yeah, way or another. It's just like a little, it's a temporary period yeah. of your time. You don't, you don't see it as like a permanent place To yes. be. I think this you mentioned this to me even the first time that we met face mm -hmm. to face you were saying like this is it's kind of like um, um, a transit like you come to New York City mm -hmm. you, you you stay experience there for, New yes. York yeah and then and then you would eventually mm -hmm. leave so yeah it's interesting to see how the dating scene is so different there because it's definitely different from my culture as well, mm. which I think Philippines would be similar in terms of when you date someone, you date them with the intention of marrying long-term yeah. relationship with marriage. Mm. And so that's very different there. And, and, and for them, th our culture is different as for them. Yes. They think that, you know, it's too, it's too, we're committing too fast or too hard. Yes. You know mm. what I mean? So, um, And, and we were talking about how th that was one extreme that you saw. You saw the opposite extreme when you went to India, right? So what did yes, you think of, yeah. of the scene in India? Okay, so when go, just going back to, to lay out the timeline there, I went to the Philippines. I grew up in the Philippines, um, you know, where marriage, dating is like such a huge thing taken seriously. I moved to the U.S. during college where dating is like very transactional. And then moving back to India. So I moved to a tier two city, Surat City in Gujarat. 
and it's so traditional where people have arranged marriages. So this holding of arranged marriage was so insane to me <laughs> in that one one I think it was last month when one of my colleagues was like, oh, I'm going to go back to my village um, this weekend to find a wife. I thought he was joking. When he came back the next week, I feel like it's on the Wednesday. He was like, oh, I'm engaged. I was like, how? <laughs> how did you do that? Like, do you even know this person? And then he was like, no. So my family just let me choose. I was like, and you're going to marry this person without even knowing them? Yeah, we're going to know each other for the rest one or two months. And it was like, but it's like you're engaged already. Like, you already made the decision. <laughs> so, there, I mean, and to me, uh, it was kind of interesting because, you know, coming from New York where no one wants to commit to anything, <laughs> to going to India where people at the age of 23 to 24 have to get married. Yeah. Um, and seeing them build this beautiful family is just... I don't know, seeing the two extremes of, of different worlds. Yeah. And for you, what would be like the balance? What would be a balance where um, I guess you, first of all, your intention mm -hmm. is the first thing. You you date yeah. someone with the intention to get married. And then the second thing would probably be to get to know the person for a period of time before. Maybe like th two, three years. Yeah. Getting to know <laughs> no, yeah, I think um, this is definitely something in Pakistan that still mm -hmm. exists. Arranged marriages are very, uh, are still common in Pakistan. And it's not always this way where you just like know the person for like, two days and then you get engaged mm -hmm. usually in Pakistan you you get uh you talk to the person for like a couple of months and mm -hmm. before you're like okay um, I do really like this person and but your parents being involved in the marriage it's yeah. still quite common in Pakistan which I don't know if that's how it is in Philippines no, do arranged ma not. marriages happen no but we have this like courting type of system where okay. the guy serenades the girl goes to ask permission from the girl's parents but also one thing because I do have a couple of women colleagues uh -huh. in my first one to two months of in India she was like oh I have resumes I was like what type of resume job <laughs> because she also works in HR <laughs> he was like you know marriage resumes I was like guys send the resumes to you for marriage it's like yeah and i have to choose okay let, let, let's so look then at you that guys were looking, oh my god yeah the, we call them like bio datas yeah like, bio datas yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's very common for for the these yeah. things like they, they circulate across like yes this is an actual business like matchmaking is a business now mm -hmm. where like they charge you to oh to and then they get like these profiles of different individuals and then yes. the matchmaker sees oh Oh, this person aligns with this person's interest so then they yeah. give each other's contacts and then they talk so it's like a, a different form of tinder i guess but that's interesting though <laughs> yeah. because you people match you instead of you going just and about face value and on what they put on their profile i feel like the bio are more more intentional at yeah. the end of the day 
they have a lot more like what they want, what they do, where they're from. I mean, if I were, I was looking at the biodata, I mean, which reflects, you know, with my background in New York City, I just look at the face. (laughs) (laughs) This is cuter. And she's like, no, but then see, I don't like this part of him. I was like, okay, maybe this is just me being a New Yorker in India. But but it's very true. Like um, a lot of people, you can consider it in two ways. One is that, okay, it is definitely very intentional. And one is that, okay, it can... It can be a little, it's kind of like your, um, we use this word called Amazonification of a person mm. where you're kind of like creating a product profile of oh. a person and sharing it. So it's like, it can be good, but it can also be bad because you're like mentioning specific requirements that you want from the other person. Mm. And so it's, it is it is helpful in cultures where dating by yourself is not very common so Mm -hmm. in our culture um religion definitely plays a role in this as well where Mm -hmm. you know you go after guys yourself or you go from one boy to the other it doesn't it's not very common so then the parents jump in but it's still like now families in Pakistan I cannot say everything about India so I'm saying my perspective in Pakistan now families in Pakistan they're kind of blending so it's like they do get involved families definitely get involved Mm. even if the girl or the guy finds the person the partner by her or himself the family would of of course still get involved so it's like now it's blending it's changing but arranged marriages still very much occur you were talking about philippines and how there's this thing of courting can you expand on that so apparently if a guy likes a girl she he serenades her I mean, obviously, this doesn't happen nowadays because Philippines now more Western. I mean, I see when I went back home, I see people using Bumble, Tinder. Oh, Hinge. so it's common there now. Yeah, yeah, and even the Facebook. So Filipinos use Facebook so much, and I feel like the Philippines is the country with the largest users of Facebook. They even have like the dating groups. No dating, dating um, section where it's like a Tinder where you swipe right and left in Facebook. I was like, you have that on Facebook. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, there's wow. like dating option apparently, but back in the day, and I would prefer it this way. It's like when a man likes a woman, you would like woo her, like court her, sing to her, go to her parents, <laughs> ask for wow. <laughs> ask for her hand, and you know the the, the olden way. But yeah. then. Um, it's it's kind of hard to think that that exists that exists today i mean in uh i know that maybe you've seen this in india um that usually the guy goes to the girl's Mm -hmm. house when um to ask for the girl's hand in marriage um that still happens but of course after they've talked for a while like they've agreed Mm -hmm. that okay they want to get married so then like there's this period where the guy would have to go to the girl's house and then talk with the family um that still happens, but definitely not the whole, uh, not the same as how it was in the past, for sure. Yeah, yeah, It's cute. Definitely. It's still cute. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely cute. So, um, yeah, you've seen, like, this whole dating scene as well, the arranged marriages scene. It's it's quite mm-hmm. distinct. What are other um, cultural differences that you saw in India when you, when you moved into India? I'd say that in India, people get involved a lot in your life, which is so much different from New York City because no one cares if you wear your pajamas to get your morning coffee. Um, 
like literally no one cares because at the end of the day, um, they have their own life and it's, it's, why would they care about your life when they have a lot on their plate already? Yeah. But in India, and I think it's also part of like the close knitness of the community, especially in Surat where I would say nine, eight out of 10 people don't speak English. So it's hard for me to communicate also. I mean, in a sense, one thing that really shocked me yeah. is that people comment so much. <laughs> like when I get like my third Starbucks coffee of the week, they're like, oh, she's getting Starbucks. Again. I was like, What's oh, wrong really? With me even, getting Starbucks? even those little things. <laughs> so how do they, how do they say, do they say it to you in front of you or like how? No, they don't say it in front of me, yeah. obviously. But you, you yeah, hear, yeah I, I, I get so much, you know, comments about many things and then. For me, it's like maybe it's something unusual to them. To me, it's a norm. And for me, there was a time where I was like, okay, maybe I should get less Starbucks so they don't they don't talk about it. Or, you know, I, because I just want to have a peaceful life. Yeah. I'm a very peaceful person. I really don't like drama. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll adjust a bit. But then I realized the more that I don't do the things that make me who I am, I lose myself. Yeah. So now I'm unapologetic of the things that I do. I love yeah. that, as you should be, <laughs> honestly. And I think that because um, in our culture, it's very collectivistic, it's very family oriented. Um, people are very community based. So they always feel like they can everyone's business is their business like it's just a thing in the culture and um in one way it it's good where they always care for other people mm -hmm. even people outside of their family they're they're very caring but mm -hmm. sometimes it can lead to a, something a little too extreme where they start commenting on everything and oh yes yeah yeah definitely and it's interesting you don't speak to them you never talk to them because you don't speak the same language but I feel like it's a norm and yeah. that's also one thing I learned from India is that um, I mentioned this earlier that I have to listen and learn from them rather than me teaching them something. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's part of moving to a different country, country is one, you have to listen, you have to observe rather than you saying, complaining, oh, why this, 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 and this. Because at the end of the day, believe it or not, if you don't like it, you can leave it, you know? Yeah. And for me, being there was like a, a choice. I was telling my colleague today, one thing that I realized, you know, I, I would be lying if... I never thought about leaving like once a week, you know, going back to the U.S., just dropping everything. But then every time I leave or at least, you know, tell people, oh, you know, I'm thinking of leaving because, you know, th this is really not me. I, I don't feel myself in, in many ways. They tell me, you know, we're actually here for you. And if you are leaving, we're also leaving. Oh. So then I realized my decision of being there for myself is more so now a decision of being a leader that people look up to. Look now. up to. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I know like it, it must be incredibly difficult to move yeah. to a different country, especially a country that's the complete opposite of yeah. where you were, where you grew up, where you were raised and where you, um, you know, started your career and, yeah. and, and all of these things. So it's incredibly, incredibly different, difficult and different, but pulling through that, overcoming that, and then finding people who you are truly impacting and yeah. leading. It's so, so, it's so 
beautiful to see like we were talking about how you your you can see firsthand the progression of a person in your team and that really empowers you and you're like oh i am doing something here you know yeah yeah definitely especially um and it's also one thing i'd like to say about if you want to put young people at the forefront of leadership you have to let them make mistakes yeah because yeah, it's it's like you you know those executives who are now 60 at that age and maybe they're like 20 through 24 they probably made a lot of mistakes for them to be there it's just about the proper guidance motivation motivating them that you know you can do this um you're born to do this and that's one thing i learned to to do with the team is you know i sh- i don't I don't um, put this facade that I'm okay. I'm a girl boss. I'm girl bossing my way through life. No, it's like, you know, being here is not easy. Like I tell them, you know, I really miss my family right now. And <sighs> sometimes I, I've, I just want to, I just want a cup of coffee, like Starbucks, because for me, Starbucks now feels home, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. It's the only, one of the only things that I have that, that reminds me of home. Home. Yeah. It's comfort for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And for me, Maybe they might not be in the extreme situation as I am, but I want them to know that, oh, she was able to overcome this experience. And so I will also as well. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. That's so amazing. And um, going back to what you were talking about, comfort, and that you, you're you trying to find those little things that, yeah. you know, reminds you of home, like, like Starbucks. And um, I wanted to know a little bit about comparing india to the philippines because we were talking about how when you move from philippines to the u.s you had to unlearn things then when Mm. you move to india you had to learn things again so that means that there were some similarities between india and and the philippines and one thing that i was thinking about was you were talking about how people think that people comment a lot on on what you're doing and this is because it's a very community-based society I would assume that that's also how it is in the Philippines, right? Yeah. So, uh, how is how is the environment there in terms of uh, people commenting on others? Is that is that commonplace there, or how how is that like there? It is pretty common in the Philippines um, when you know people give their opinion and what you should do in life. It's also a thing, um, you know, like how in India they're like, oh, you should be a doctor, you should be uh. an engineer, you should be a lawyer. In the Philippines, you should be a nurse. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I see a lot of Filipino nurses. Yes. And I actually did went to nursing school for I one semester. You. Then I changed and I was like, nah, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Definitely in the Philippines, I would say that a lot of people were commenting. But now that I think about it, the reason why it was so uncomfortable for me in India, because I don't know these people. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I at least um, acknowledge the comments that my parents make. But then, you know, when you're in a different culture, especially the people that you don't even talk to or don't even know their name makes a comment. It's like, oh gosh, like that's unsolicited things. Yeah. But like, again, maybe it's their norm and maybe the things that I do is very different from what they're used to. And that's something that I do have to understand and not take it personally. So don't take everything personally. Yeah. Yeah, That's actually um, hard to do because when you go to a different country, um, and you're used to a different environment. Mm-hmm. So anything that wrong or anything that 
happens that doesn't go align with your values and your mm-hmm. environment you take it personally like it's yeah, it's normal definitely. right it's just human nature yeah and that also comes from a place where you're like oh i i want to respect their culture i'm i just want to make sure i'm not stepping on something yeah but separating that from the comments of others because essentially feedback reflects you know feedback reflects a lot yeah um separating you know constructive feedback with unsolicited feedback is so hard for me to do because something there's many things that I don't even know about the culture yeah. it's like I'm learning along my way yeah. and I feel like being conscious about what people are saying comes from also a place of like I just want to be respective the, of their culture like the way I dress the way I you know I lead the way I make rules in the in the foundation should be something that's that's um aligned with their culture yeah. also yeah it's hard to find that balance right like where you're respecting them but you're also making sure that they don't disrespect you along yeah. the way so that's that's definitely a difficult balance mm-hmm. to to navigate through um I was also thinking about how how it's like being you know the CEO in mm-hmm. in India but being a female CEO yeah. so being a woman in this space um I'm I think you're one of the only females I'm the only female in the executive team <laughs> yes the only female in the, the youngest executive team. in 23 yeah crazy yeah. oh my god <laughs> so how is that like being a being a woman in in the space mm-hmm. where um, I don't know, is the environment misogynistic? Is the environment mm-hmm. respectful? How how has that experience been like? First of all, I would say that I know my value. So if they would not have treated me um, like a family and if, if, if they wouldn't have given me a space to lead and learn and given me the agency to establish the type of structure that I want to have in the foundation, I would have left already. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like like I told you things like these don't don't even hit me because um it, it I didn't even realize that I was the only, you know, female in the in the exactly. executive team um in that I felt like I was part of them. They made me feel like I was part of them. Um they would include and invite me in their family activities, want to experience the culture. Um the Navratri festival, I did the Gerba. Very so, cool. <laughs> yeah, so these type of experiences was, was to me, made me feel like, okay, made me feel warm, made me feel like I was back Welcome. in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, like I mentioned earlier that when I was in the Philippines, people were very warm. So I was also warm. When I was in New York, the only people that were warm was mostly my family as outside from that, people were very transactional, which also kind of made me transactional. Going back to India, it's like, okay, do I become warm or transactional? <laughs> <laughs> but coming from New York, I had to relearn, you know, being warm and, you know, enjoying time with family. And right now, not having family in Gujarat, in Surat, my only family is literally my team and the Dulakia family. The, the, that's really my new family right now. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really beautiful how they've uh, sort of welcomed you and yeah. they they wanted you to learn the culture and the tradition. And this is one thing that um, I know Pakistanis are also 
extremely good at, good at when they're known for their hospitality. So when foreigners come in, when any kind of guest comes in, they want to make sure that you feel welcomed. Yeah. And I'm happy to hear that you got to experience it as well. Like you felt you felt welcomed in 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 that sense, and you got to experience the festival. How was the festival like? I want to know a little bit about that. I love the dancing. I, for me, it was crazy to think that this type of worship for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Navratri. I also don't know as much about it. Yeah. So I would love to listen a little bit about what it was. So I'm, I'm not familiar about the Hindu religion, yeah, but yeah. They, they dance like in circles and they do it till like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Like they're so dedicated to it. And I feel like it's a seven to 10 day long event where they do it every night, every night every night and to me it's just like so amazing yeah. to to see that this is how they establish culture establish relationships among people and also like worship and and you know establish really their their um their prayers for the gods yeah that's so cool that's beautiful and i think it's it's really beautiful to see the different forms of worship in different yeah. countries this is why i love studying about different people's religions Ooh. because i think there's so much wisdom in all types of religions, and so even the form of dance, how that can be, how can, that can be such a beautiful form of worship in yeah. in one religion. It's just it's cool. It's really cool and interesting to see. So that's nice that you got to experience that. Um, so this was all a little bit about how how you got welcomed into the foundation, which is just incredible that you know you felt welcomed. Um, how was it like being a woman? So, mm-hmm. of course, you were mentioning that you were one of the only women in the executive team. Mm-hmm. And you already mentioned that they respected you, that they welcomed you, which is fantastic. But in the culture in general, did you feel um, this divide between men and women? How, what did you feel? Yeah, definitely. And for me, that was something hard to see. Because someone advocating for more women, more young people in this space and moving to India where it's like women are more reserved when which they're in the house. Although it might not be the case for whole India, but Surat is like a tier two city. I'd like to mention this again. And it's very, um, I would say, concentrated Mm -hmm. on on like the culture. And it's like people have the same thing. So most women are just in the home and, you know, our parent company is is in the diamond industry. So there's most likely going to be a lot of men because women think that to polish diamonds, not safe for them. But, you know, it's like the stigma that Mm -hmm. comes with it. And also there's a stigma that comes with women working. So one, I would say that one of the things that was really hard for me is hiring a lot of women that I can see to leave the foundation forward because believe it or not I mean who knows I may or may not stay in India for like two, 20 10 years so it's really good to think about these things early on and yeah. establish the culture establish you know the identity of the foundation aside from the family with people who are exactly. actually going to drive action exactly so like I was saying you know women need to get married by the age of between 23 to 25 for me that's insane because I'm like 24 and um sometimes they say when are you gonna get married (laughs) oh yeah you probably (laughs) yeah they're like invite me to your wedding wedding." but I do say this joke although I'm you know going 
to the other direction. Um, <laughs> I say to them, my only response is, I'm only going to get married when the 2030 goals are finished. So I get married when I'm 2030. So, <laughs> yeah. You make it clear to them. Yeah. 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 But actually, going back, um, when I hire women, especially young women, I kind of ask them, like, you know, are you married? Do you have kids? What are your plans for the future? Like this during like an interview. Yeah. Because I, I want to see, you know, why they they applied, applied for a job in the foundation. And interestingly, most women say we're here to help society. Yeah. Yes. But the next question is, how long can you keep them there? Because these women essentially, most of them have to get married. They stay home. And so... It's, it's hard to retain them. And so I do this pep talks with, with my girls and say, oh gosh, did you know that the world is so huge out there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of like put in their heads, like, you know, you at least have a partner that supports the work yes. that you do. Because exactly. I, I see so much potential in them. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I start in the space through passion and I see so much passion from them. And so I tell them, you know, you shouldn't limit yourself. And yeah. I know it's kind of hard to go beyond what society tells you to do. Exactly, that's what I did. Um, but, you know, tell them the other side of what the world is like and you know, if if you create your story, maybe your kids would, would also be the next Mahatma Gandhi. I mean, yeah. Mahatma Gandhi came from Gujarat. So, yeah. True. And how do they respond when you, when you say these things? Like when you try to encourage them, mm -hmm. how do they respond? Interestingly, they respond positively because they are inspired by my life story, um, by the work that I have done. And I have to be very honest that my mom doesn't support me being in India. Oh, really? So we like fight almost every day. And it, it just breaks my heart because she's the reason why I'm here. Um, because she told me, live your life, not for me or for you, live it for others. And so being here, I mean, it's the motherly thing where you, you don't want your child to be far away from you. Yeah. But I told her, you know, this is what I want to do in my life at least for the next two, three years and see if I'm going to stay here for a long time. Um, so yeah, I tell them that, you know, this is my story and, you know, if, if, you, if I can do this, you can do it too. And so they get inspired. They're like, okay, teach us how we can do things. And that's why I bring them to conferences. I wow. teach them, you know, the skills that I learned, like for example, pitching, create, creating projects, um, creating pitch decks yeah. because I feel like aside from having a great idea it's all about execution of that idea is what really matters yeah yeah for sure I think yeah. that's so cool to see how you're truly impacting them by you know taking to these conferences making them learn these important skills I think I've seen this a lot growing up where I just feel like there are so many opportunities that were given to me purely mm -hmm. because of the family that I was born into because they you know, they wanted me to develop. They mm -hmm. wanted me to grow. I love my family. But sometimes I'm just like, why did I get these opportunities? But other Pakistani girls who are even better than me, like, why don't they get those opportunities? So it's very, very hard for me to witness that. And so for you to be in a place where you can impact those girls, like face to face, mm -hmm. that's so, so cool. Like, honestly, I, the kind of impact that you can create on a on another woman like that, it's, ugh, it, I can't even imagine how, like, 
changing the those women's mindsets mm-hmm. one step at a time it can go such a long way like yeah. such a long way everyone says that there are statistics and studies done on whether when you educate a man you educate a man but when you educate a woman you educate an entire village yeah. so it's it it goes a long way so i really it's it's so cool to see how how and how you've been impacting those girls and oh, i love that <laughs> honestly i love that and when you were mentioning about your mother and you yeah. were saying that you know it's uh, she, it's hard obviously for a mother to see you go far away but why do you think she she was reluctant to send you to india was she scared because it's a new space new environment what do you think i would say she's scared mainly because of the stories she hears from india mm-hmm. and to be honest she didn't get to know the dolakia family mm-hmm. also i also didn't get to know them i was like okay this is what i'm born to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> be yeah. with local communities and you know all the stories here of india of sanitation of like um being safe and you know there, there are many things that comes into her head you know as a mother i want my girl or child to, to be, be safe, safe. Yeah. yeah and Obviously. sometimes she thinks like you know why are you there in the village when you know you're com- you come from New York City interestingly when i facetime her in my first 3 months in india i when i'm in new york i wear makeup heels like you know dress you, up. you dress up yeah yeah when i'm in the village and she facetime me she's like you're sick i'm like no i'm not <laughs> sick i'm like, just not wearing makeup mama this is my face <laughs> <laughs> this is the true me yeah this is me <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah that's obviously was that also an adjustment for you like that in terms of clothing style how you had to appear yeah, yeah, yeah obviously definitely that, yeah. there there's this one one person who told me i thought you liked the the hot weather because gujarat is also pretty hot uh, and i said well yeah i like the hot weather but with with the 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 the, the, clothes. the free clothing <laughs> not this clothing but yeah having that adjustment of like having to wear certain type of wear for you know for people to be comfortable around you so that's interesting you said comfortable so do you think people would feel uncomfortable when you wore different types of clothing yes. how were the people's comments like so one time i wore this like um off, not off shoulder but it it didn't Sleeveless. have like a cover thing mm-hmm. but it was not like spaghetti mm-hmm. so someone told me you should wear a shawl i was like okay So I went back to my room to and you were and I was like okay that 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 is my signal to not wear it anymore and mm. for me it's like okay um this is the culture I have to respect it and like I said it's a, it's not just about me this time it's about them learning what they're comfortable with but also determining what is constructive criticism compared to unsolicited cr- criticism exactly. yeah yeah you just have to learn to find that balance i guess and yeah. where no matter where which country you move to whether yeah. it's india whether it's london or wh- mm-hmm. wherever you're in so mm-hmm. that's that's definitely true. you just have to navigate through that it's definitely mm-hmm. hard but that's like that's the key advice you could give probably give to someone wanting yeah. to move abroad to a completely different country yeah yeah if if you were to move somewhere for like one two years where would it be ooh um i remember telling you 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 know that i always wanted to to live in the us for mm-hmm. a while and you were like why <laughs> but <laughs> but it's just like um that exact reason that you talk about how you you're in this environment of people who have so much like passion and they have a mission they have this drive and i live 
in San Francisco for two months. It's different from New York because I think SF is more chill. It's it's a, people are more like they have like chill vibes. Mm. Of course, it's a tech space, but more, it's just I feel like SF people are just. Like they take life slowly. I feel like I don't know. Yeah, that's, they're that very was my vibe. chill. That's yeah. San Francisco. In but that was not what I expected. Because when mm. I went in, I was like, oh, tech space. Like people are like fast, and and of course it depends on who you meet. Like when you meet those tech people, they're like, they're like they want to do this and that and this and that. Mm. So you meet a lot of tech geniuses there. That's for sure. But it's just generally a chill place. But I had the best time of my life because I mm. met so many cool people there. And I think that's what I sometimes crave for. Like just being in an environment full of people who ev- where each and every person has some kind of goal that they want to yeah. achieve. And, you know, you and when you come together, you help each other in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that was something one of the reasons why I always wanted to live in the U.S. for a period of time. But UAE is my home. Like it will always be my home. So I would always want to come back eventually. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, U.S. definitely want to live there for a period. Of, would you want to live somewhere else? No. No, I'm. I'm actually gonna say you should. Uh-huh. I would say two, three years uh-huh. because you're gonna meet interesting people there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but for me, you're not gonna expect this. I will live in New York for the rest of my life. Yeah, I will. <laughs> really? Yes. Because you're because you're saying because it's a temporary place. I I assumed that it's the same for you that. I you love say, it that much? Huh? Yes. <laughs> it's interesting. It's like that first love. People's first love are people. Mine was New York City. <laughs> in a sense that my first few we- weeks in New York City, I was like, oh my gosh. It, you know, these creative ideas just comes to me. Like, it's just the vibe that makes me so alive. Yeah. Um, believe it yeah. or not, in New York, I can work um, 16, 16 um, hours a day. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 16 hours a day. Um, and then I work out three times a day. People are going to hate me for saying this in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. I run at Fifth Avenue at like 11 o'clock. People are saying it's not safe. I'm like, I don't care. This is New York City. This is my city. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I just love and I see myself, you know, um, I'm not sure if I will settle down with someone or have a partner that's not one of my priorities right now but I do know that I do want to be in that city be with the change that comes with that city and you know experience every day the ideas and the vibe the motivation that that city brings me yeah that's awesome I think that's definitely the feeling that uh, anyone who goes to New York gets mm-hmm. like they just like when I went to New York I felt like I could do anything I feel like yes, everything like you can jump out or yeah, <laughs> like I could do anything like it's everything's at you know the touch of my fingertips so yeah that's pretty cool to to see how you you know have that I think in terms of dating and partnerships maybe that's a little tricky as you mm-hmm. you were talking about but I guess you find the balance somehow. Hopefully you, you will definitely will. So, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I tell my parents, like, you know, I don't feel like I'm going to get married. Uh, I don't feel like I'm going to find someone. And they're like, you know, just focus on yourself. And I feel like every parent tells this to their daughter. Just focus on yourself and men will flock to you. <laughs> it's um, true. <laughs> I agree, honestly. Like when you when a woman develops herself, finds finds her passion, finds her goal and is like driven 
men will come like they will come there will yeah. always be men like i just like this whole idea of getting married by a specific age and period mm-hmm. i understand biologically that yes by uh, up to a certain point you may not be able to reproduce biologically it makes sense but just this pressure of getting married by like in your early 20s i think mm-hmm. that's extremely early you know yeah, so yeah definitely and even now companies um offer women to freeze their eggs for free yeah. yeah yeah i know that can be a controversial topic but i feel like it it just makes it, it shows a support towards women yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, i mean even whether you would do it or not that's something else but just having that option for women mm-hmm. to do that showcases that you know they can they can prioritize their careers which they should as well yeah yeah definitely and i feel like that goes back to what i was saying earlier that it's not about the lack of resources but the lack of opportunities if you give people enough opportunities for them to choose which path they want to take i feel like the world will be such in such a different and better place Place. yeah 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 Well, Kaziah, thank you so much for today. I loved one hour flew by. There are so many other things <laughs> that we still didn't talk about, but It's I'm sure okay. we'll meet in New York or I we'll know. meet some other time and maybe we could do a part two of this episode. <laughs> Don't worry. I feel like in New York, you'll have like the couch um, set up by then, the yeah. Oprah Winfrey with, <laughs> with, with your book. Oh my God. <laughs> you're, you're thinking even bigger than, than I have thought of. No, think big. See, that's the thing. Yeah. that new york city tells you true they think big um just just do it just do it every day is a different day every day is a different opportunity that's one thing i missed in india in india i didn't feel that way but here in dubai similar similar yeah it's like the balance of both but yeah i'm really grateful to be here like i was telling my colleague that i feel like myself again I feel like, you know, it's a great way to end the year to feel like myself again. If not, I would have lost myself and I would not have loved the things that I do anymore. So, yeah. Well, um, I'm so glad thank you, you. Got to end your year this way with the Karakud Mehreen. Huh? <laughs> so I have a little gift for you. Oh, thank you for your time and for being here. Feel good tea. Yes. I'm excited Ooh. for you to open it. Can I open it now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm practicing my influencer era. <laughs> Everyone, you're gonna like, you're gonna blow up for sure on social media because like we were talking about how you you want to st- start, you know, yeah. posting about your learning experiences. It's like everyone's. I can't wait for for you to start posting because I'm so excited to see. You oh, already man. did, but like as you start posting more, like yeah. it's just so much to learn from. But yeah. Oh, this is so fancy. Thank you so much. I'll tag you in it when I when I make the tea. Yes, please with, with do. our um with our um office office kitchen with people your office, cute. who don't even speak English. So I'm just gonna communicate with them. Through. They're gonna love the tea. <laughs> tea has no language barriers. I know, I know. Yeah, but thank you so much. It's thank a pleasure you to be here and best of luck with everything. I know you're gonna do great things. Thank you. Always here for you. Thank um, you so much.